Welcome to the Quilting Company Podcast, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy Taddock. Today, we are talking all about quilting inspiration. First, we talk about the quilting shows that have inspired us over the years. And in our open studio segment, our special guest today is the prolific Victoria Finley Wolf. She is here to talk about being a part of the special quilting episode of Craft in America on PBS, her latest book, and all of the amazing things she's been working on. Finally, we got a letter from a listener that gave us goosebumps. Hello, ladies. Hi there. How are you today on this snowy day in Colorado? Cold. Cold. (laughs) Very cold. (laughs) It is quite chilly. Quite chilly today. What can we do? And the roads were slick. Oh, gosh. Yep. Yeah, my commute was treacherous. Oh, oh yeah, she yeah. didn't slide on the ice oh, walking sorry. over. Oh, sorry, we haven't told people. So the office moved, and it actually moved right next door to where I live. So my, I, I, I just come in every day and tell people that my commute was just terrible. It probably takes me longer to defrost my car than it does for you to get to work. Yeah, it literally <laughs> takes me two. I should time it. Yeah, should time you should. It. I'm going to time it and then tell you next time how long it takes. But I really literally think it's about two whole minutes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so jealous. I know. It's rough. Okay. So I have an interesting question to ask each of you. And it's all about what quilting shows have inspired you over the years. I tell people that I basically learned to quilt by watching programs on television and the book Quilts, Quilts, Quilts by Laura Nouns and Diana McClune. It's the best book ever. I'm with you on the book. Mm -hmm, And (laughs) I watched uh, Alex Anderson uh, like faithfully I loved that show. Simply Quilts. Yep. Yep. That was loved it. It was like the heyday of quilting when quilting television was on HGTV. Right. 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 So two things actually happened around that time. I actually got to meet the producers of that show because they actually went to my alma mater. And when I lived in L.A., I forget how I met them. I met them somewhere. Um, but I actually told them that I wanted to be, um, if they ever did another TV show, that you wanted I, to be wanted to be, yeah. I wanted to be in it. Um, and But the other thing was I used to always, when people said, what did I want to do with my quilting? I said I wanted to be the next Alex Anderson. Good goal. Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> well, it is funny. There was one person who actually said, how about how about being the next Tracy Mooney? Mm. Which I thought, I was like, oh, oh. deep. If this, <laughs> if this makes you feel any better, I want to be the next Tracy Mooney. Oh, so. ginger. <laughs> um, but I actually got to tell Alex that. Um, and you know, and it was it was really like one of those moments where I was like, I had to get up the nerve mm-hmm. to go right. talk to her, and then I and then I actually told her that. So, um, and then and then she actually asked me to do some roving reporter stuff nice. for her, which was just amazing. So it was like a dream come true. Fun. Fun. Um, but the show that really inspired me when I was starting to quilt was on PBS, and it was called. The Great American Quilt. Mm. And I have yet to find anybody who remembers this show. Um, But it was amazing. And it was kind of a lifestyle show. And so they would have um, Penny McMorris was the host. 
wow, I'm like pulling this all out. Yeah. Um, Penny McMorris was the host. Uh, there would be a sewing segment, and it was actually Diana McClune and, and Laura Nouns, and they would do one of the blocks from Quilts, Quilts, Quilts. And then I believe that she had Roderick Kirchhoff on, oh, cool. who would do a segment on nice. quilt history. And it was it was just such a good show, and I loved watching it. So what about you, Ginger? Well, for those of you guys who don't know, I am my whole job here is I'm the executive producer for video. So they brought me on board. Uh, the company I used to work for, whose name will remain nameless. Uh, I Are used you not to work allowed there. to say that? Oh, name? no, I can say I used to work at Craftsy. And so I produced <laughs> videos for them. I guess now it's called Blueprint. Yes. Um, and uh, they would put us into different uh, what they call pods. And they have so many different um, crafts and different things that they're doing there. And my focus at that time was art, cooking, uh, baking and I did a little bit of jewelry and I was terrified of the quilting classes because I would just go in and I would look and see what the producers had to do and and just what was all involved and you know all of that and I was just so thankful like oh thank god I don't have to work on the quilting or the sewing courses (laughs) and it's so funny so when the opportunity came up to come over here they were so funny because they knew I had online education experience within the craft world they're like you know okay well the 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 group you'd be working with is the quilting group and literally my heart sunk but I still was like oh I'm so excited I can't wait to work on Quilting stuff. I remember going into my first course and just being utterly terrified, and uh, for no reason at all. Like I, I just <laughs> the um, uh, the way that I was just embraced by the community, by the people who work here, but also just the quilters themselves. It was just absolutely amazing. And I think going in as a newbie and not knowing, I, I'd like to think it kind of helped them also just be better instructors because I'm like, all right, if I can understand this, anybody can. You know, it's like it's going to gotcha. make sense. That makes so, sense. Yeah, but I mean, I got thrown into the deep end with great people like Bonnie Hunter and Nancy Mahoney and, you know, on the art side, it's like I got to work with Lee McComas and, and just so many wonderful, wonderful people. And so, you know, th- that alone, just the fact that I got brought in so welcomed and uh, they just made me feel like, oh yeah, you're totally a part of the community now. And I just got up to speed and then Lori gave me my loaned me my first sewing machine and I have just been addicted ever since so it's so funny but I definitely kind of a backward way into I know it is it definitely is like (laughs) there's no doubt in my mind like it's so funny it's just it it kind of blows my mind to think that I would be so uh, just fall in love with it so much and I've done all kinds of videos it's so funny like I used to do hunting and fishing videos and all that I was never inspired to go hunting or fishing (laughs) I've been doing those but man I remember diving into one of my first courses and just literally being like oh I could try that I could do that that's not that hard and it's it's been that way and so but I definitely have some go-to's that I go to that really kind of help just about to ask you. When I worked with Bonnie Hunter, she had done in her Wanderlust course, which we're actually running right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing it. Um, it was kind of a big course. Um, and uh, we'll definitely put a link to it um, on the notes page. But in there, she explains quilt binding. And I was always just, there's so many different ways to do it. But her technique, I love it. And so I actually downloaded it, the video, onto my phone. And I have it marked where oh, I can go. So every time I do my now binding. I need to go watch that video. I know. It's great. It's great. It's in her Wanderlust quilts course. 
course. So I definitely recommend checking that out. And then the other person who is kind of like the voice in my head uh, when I quilt is uh, Kate Cullerin. She's done, I've done a couple of courses with her, and she is just so wonderful at just breaking things down in such a simple way that I'm like, oh, well, of course you do it that way. Yes. Like, and it's just super inspiring. So she's done her um, uh, home decor course, which is great. I learned how to do um, flying geese in that. And um, also like envelope, how to do the back of a pillow, like right? an envelope pillow. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh my gosh. So things like that, plus hexagons. And then she has a whole long cabin series that she just takes you through. With We have a beginner series in part of the series. We have like all the variations. And then she even does one with a modern twist. So I just was had no interest of doing like long log cabins. I don't know why. It just never in- intrigued me. Oh my goodness. I sat down and watched her do it and I was like, oh, that's not intimidating at all. I can totally do that. And mm-hmm. then you can do it with variations and then you can put a modern twist on it. So anyway, so yeah, I- I've definitely been inspired. Like video has been a huge, huge reason why I quilt and it's great. All right. How about you, Lori? What, what are the shows that inspire you? I pretty much don't watch TV because I'm in my studio. Nice. No but, time for it, huh? Yeah, no time to mess with that. Um, and and part of it is um, that I can look at a quilt and figure out how to do it. Just look at the quilt. Wow. Most of the time. Um, but so she's been doing it forever. I've been doing it a long yeah. time. I want to be um, you when I grow up as a quilter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I do have still the CD that my brother-in-law made of Simply Quilts back in the, I'm going to say mid-90s. Mm. Yeah. Right. I'd say late 90s, early 2000s maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I am. Well, being the video person, I would love if any of you out there have any ideas of stuff you want to see. Let us know. Let us know, because I can, I can right. make that happen. Right. <laughs> She's the person. That's right. All right. Cool. Well, this was really interesting to talk about, and I wanted to get inside your brains for a little bit. Let's go talk to Victoria Finley-Wolf now. Today, our guest for our Open Studio segment is a quilter who honestly has inspired me greatly over the past few years. She is Victoria Finley-Wolf. I met her a few years ago when I was actually assigned an article that was all about double knit quilts and got to meet her in person a few months later. And now I feel like not only is she a person that I can call my friend, she is also just a person who I hear her voice in the back of my head whenever I have a big project that I think is a quilt that I'll never finish. And I just hear her voice telling me just 15 minutes a day, Tracy, 15 minutes a day. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) welcome to the podcast, Victoria. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, glad to know that that those 15 minutes are, you know, in your subconscious. (laughs) They really are. They really are. (laughs) You also, um, you're also the voice in my head that says, Tracy, you need to start working on that. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. It's like the jackrabbit and turtle. Yes, exactly. 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 Tip it away a little bit each day. And it's amazing how much you can get done. It's so true. So true. And every time that I think I'll never finish something, I just remember you saying that and and your book, um, Uh, 15 Minutes of Play. 
and um, and it just inspires me greatly. So the reason why we wanted to make sure that we had you on the podcast in December was actually to talk about Craft in America. And this is a show that has been on PBS for years and years and years, and they're doing a special quilting episode. And they are. I'm so excited that they're doing quilts. I know. And so you got me in touch with them, and they actually sent me a preview link, so I actually got to see the episode already. And all I can say is I got goosebumps goosebumps watching it Um, and there were several times that I got goosebumps so tell us a little bit about how how being on the show came to be and your experience and anything you want to tell us about it well first of all it's it's very humbling to have been asked to be on that show Um, I've been familiar with the show. I've watched other episodes on other people that interest me in different forms of craft. And, you know, when I got the email uh, from Carol Savion asking me if they could film, my first thought was, well, I'm traveling all the time. I'll probably never be home. Well, that was my second thought. The first thought was, is this spam? (laughs) (laughs) Do do they mean to email me? (laughs) Yeah, and then, um, you know, sometimes um, this year in particular has been a very, very busy year for me. I've been on the road pretty much nonstop. And the fact that I was coming home um, two days before they were going to be filming in New York, and it was like, the three days that I was going to actually be home, um, <laughs> the stars just—it was of meant to be—and it and it happened. And um, and honestly, I have to say that this this past weekend, I I also just got to see the full episode. We did a viewing for members at the International Quilt Museum in Lincoln, Nebraska, and sitting in a room full of people who are watching you talk about, you know, your passion and and. You know, I wanted to sit in the corner and cry. It was Aww. really, it was really, it was very emotional and it was very special. And I'm very honored to be on the episode um, with Susan Henyon and Michael Cummings and mm-hmm. Judith Content and um, all of whom whose work I really admire and and um, again just totally humbled that I got to be in the episode. Um, Carol had found um, a picture of my quilt Double Edge Love. Uh-huh. And thought that she wanted to learn more about who made the quilt. And it just so happened that they were here filming for Michael Cummings. And he's also here in New York, up in Sugar Hill. And uh, they're like, we want to come film you too. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And they did. It was an amazing day. Um, luckily, my studio was clean. <laughs> I had some work up on the wall. Uh-huh. I had some quilts that were in progress. And you were ready um, to go. Was, I was ready to go, and you know they were here. We filmed for like I don't know ten hours, I think, that day. And I also had a, a book signing event that evening that was happening at the sort of a bed turning event here at my home for my book when I had re- just released for Playing with Purpose. So they were able to um, kind of see a little bit of everything that I do, and, and that was really cool. And I'm very very grateful and thank them from the bottom of my heart for including me 
So if um, listeners want to tune in, I believe I was given the date of December 20th for uh, December 27th 27th okay but December they should 27th I believe at 9 p.m. but people need to check their local listings because yes. uh, not all PBS stations carry everything but after the show airs you will be able to also watch the episode online um, they can go to craftinamerica.org that's great but I think that they should all just um, organize quilting parties with their, you know, quilting friends <laughs> to watch it, don't you think? Good idea. Yeah. Yes, I definitely. Mean, it's, and, and like you said, just look up, um, if they look up Craft in America and you get, they'll be in their local PBS station, they'll be able to find it. So yeah. I'm kind of ashamed to say, but what is Craft in America? I've never watched it on PBS. Um, what's the whole idea of the series itself? Um, and I'm just curious as to how the quilting fit in fits in. Victoria, do you want to take that? You want me to take well, it? Well, as as a craft, um, well, I know it's certainly a yeah. craft, but it deals with jewelers and okay. potters and painters mm-hmm. and and everything, and they highlight uh, different artists in each episode, um, and just uh, often a lot of uh, very interesting background information to crafting and um, and what inspires people. It's, right. I just find it really interesting because in reading all about you, uh, Victoria, and everything, one of the comments that you had made that I thought was really interesting was when you were trying to be an artist and you kept going back to crafting how it was too crafty. And so I find it like really amazing that there's this series now that really does kind of bring to life the craft within each one of these arts that everybody's doing. So that's really kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I consider quilting art. So Absolutely. Yes. If it's also labeled as craft, that's fine. Um, okay. That comment that I think that you're referring to is is what happened when I was in college. Right. When I was making quilts, since they told me it was not what I was doing was didn't have a place in art school. Right. So I'm all embodying. I think if you're cutting something up, you're making something. You're making decisions about design. Um, the difference between what the definition says of between craft and art, they're saying craft doesn't provoke an emotional response, which I don't agree with. That whatsoever. is not so true at that's all. That's art. Mm-hmm. That's art. <laughs> I can tell you sitting in a room with all of those um, different members at the museum watching this episode, there were tears in everybody's eyes yes. at different points yes. during different parts of the episode because, you know, quilts do evoke that very mm-hmm. personal um, heartfelt, comforting feeling of emotion, and there's no denying that that that's art. Yeah, no, and I, that's why I thought that comment was just so funny when I read that about, that you had said something like that because I was like, it definitely is an art, and to say that you know it's too crafty that just always made me laugh. I'm like that I don't know that that definition. I feel like it's just expanded so much, and it seems like uh, definitely through this series, they're they're helping make that happen. <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, and it's funny because you mentioned um, double edge love, and I, I, and having been to your lectures before, and and heard the audible gasp when quilters hear about you, you know, making a quilt and then cutting it up, I, it it may it it's interesting to me because I think that there are those people who who buy into that you know that Mm -hmm. you can't you just you've made it you just need to live with it or throw it away (laughs) Um, and then there are other people and I think and I'm trying to think back to a time before meeting you and if I would have cut up something that I had sewn together already and now I don't even think twice 
about if it's not working, do something to make it work. How well, I have several several theories to that. Okay, go ahead. What are your <laughs> one, theories? One, it's still fabric, whether mm-hmm. it has seams in it or not. We've seen scrap quilts that have been around for hundreds of years. So just because it started out as one thing, it can still be repurposed and used. So, I mean, repurposing is certainly something we should be thinking about anyway and mm-hmm. using up what we have. We, we've spent our good hard-earned money on it, and if it's not quite the way we want it, who's to say we can't do something different with it? Right? It can just right. be the start of something, but it's all in how you think about it. It's changing your thinking a little bit about how you're manipulating the whatever material that you're using. So why not? Cut it up. Do something different with it. I like that thought a lot. <laughs> now, would you actually do that, Lori? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. Nice. <laughs> well, yeah, we I, know Lori. I Lori's have to say like... that the double-edged love started out as a quilt that was... Uh, a quilt top that really didn't float my boat. It was something that I had done, and I thought, eh, been there, done that. What else can I do with it? So cutting something up is an opportunity to instigate more creative ideas, and you don't know what you're going to get. And sometimes it's nice not knowing what the final outcome is going to be. In fact, that's pretty much the way I make all of my quilts. So I don't plan ahead when I'm working on something. I always want to... Um, act as a beginner when I start any project. I like to think of myself as a beginner every time because that way every possibility is is an opportunity for me. So I'm not discounting anything. Um, I, I have every every tool, every trick, and also anything that I need to learn while making the next project. That's my stepping stone. So I always hmm. like to think of myself as a beginner. And then I can cut it, and I can change it, and I can see what it looks like, and um, use my instinct and try to build on something to make it work. That's how I think about it. That's really, and that's really got my wheels turning. Oh yeah, you can see all of us. We're all kind yeah. of staring at each other, We're like, all just looking like, yeah. Huh. Because you know, I think, I think uh, we, I, I don't think I think of myself as a beginner, but I certainly don't think of myself as an expert. I feel like there's still so much that I can learn. And I think that's freeing to think of yourself as a beginner when you're working on something new. I mean, I'm working on English paper piecing right now, and it's it's relatively new to me. I've tried it before, mm-hmm. but I'm trying all different kinds of techniques for putting together the shapes and um and I think that's liberating. So why not think of myself as a beginner? How about you, Lori? I'm good because you yeah, definitely you have so much experience. Do you mm-hmm. still think of yourself as a beginner every once in a while? It depends on the technique. Yeah. Um, but as I'm teaching people, particularly the really artsy kind of people, mm. I try really hard not to tell them the rules. I'm specifically thinking of my son, and he's a, a wonderful artist, but when he started quilting, I told him about quarter-inch seams, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I didn't want to limit his art by a bunch of rules. And I I like to think of, I like to do that when I'm teaching kids to sew. Right. Mm -hmm. I show them how to do it, and then I let them do it. Like, just go, I'm just going to show you this technique, now go make it your own. And I think, because I feel really strongly that if, it's got to be fun. It's exactly. got to be entertaining. Otherwise, why are they going to continue doing it? Also, yeah. the discovery, the yeah. element of, dis- mm-hmm. of free form discovery is very important to creativity. So 
having every option open and available to you. You know, it's like the 15 minutes of play. When you think about how little kids like to sit on the floor and they play, if they got their bricks, they start out, you know, maybe that's a car. And then all of a sudden they put a couple of bricks together and it becomes a house. And then they got mm-hmm. another one and it's a person. And then, and then the whole story changes, right? So that sort of um, non-linear line of time, of creativity that a kid you know, can produce while they're playing with their toys, that sort of freeform imagination. That's the space that I go to when I, like I said, when I think about myself as a beginner, because that mm-hmm. way there's nothing to hold me back. And for, for children, that also means that there's no mistakes or maybe mm-hmm. they just quickly adjust and their plan changes and becomes something else. I mean, that's, that's the part of the connection to the process that we lose as we grow up because of the rules. So anytime that I can set aside all of those uh, predetermined paths and just think from an open space um, that's when you know I get more ideas and and I stay more connected to my process by just thinking well what if I did this and what if I do this or what if I try to do it this way or is there a different way that I could do something that I've done a million times you know you and that that when you do have a, a situation where something doesn't quite work out how much do we learn from that? We learn a lot from making mistakes. So, you know, you have to make the mistakes and explore. That's what you need to be able to push your creativity. Well, being the true beginner here, I, I, I definitely uh, talk about mistakes. I have seriously just in the last month gotten to know my uh, seam ripper so well. <laughs> and so I do appreciate it. But one of the words that I love that you used was instigate. The fact that you were like, you know, you went and you cut up your quilt and that instigated you to do something different. I love that because sometimes you think of that as like a negative, but that was a total positive for you. And it was something that did that. So I love your use of that word and, uh, and, and yeah. jarring it into action like that. That's great. Great. And that use of, you know, negativity, there's no space for negativity and creativity. Because as soon as you do that, so you're stopping yourself mm-hmm. from having another opportunity. Nice. Ah, you're so positive. I love that. You're just like, oh, this is great. And even but just in looking through your book. roadblocks. Yeah. So, you know, those are the roadblocks. Yep. Those are the things that I try to clear out when I'm saying that I'm trying to keep an open mind when I'm working. All of those things that become something that stops you from doing something. Even when I'm teaching and I try to tell people like, you know, you gotta make friends with your seam ripper because otherwise you might not learn something. You had to have used that tool to be able to find a new way to mm-hmm. fix it, mm-hmm. sew it, try it a different way, right? All of those things are tools that get you to the next point. So. See, you're making me feel more like an expert than a beginner now because <laughs> like, I'm doing it right, all right. <laughs> That's all well, good. I think that it, this sort of is making my mind actually go back to the double knit article. Mm-hmm. So tell uh, tell our listeners a little bit about growing up and your grandmother, mm-hmm. um, because I'm sort of thinking about how what she used to quilt and that she made it work through her health challenges. Right. So my grandmother was an arthritic invalid by the time she was 45. So her fingers were sort of frozen, elbows frozen, knees and hips, everything replaced. And simple tasks of holding a scissors were things that she couldn't do. But because it was also the 70s and not a lot of fabric stores around, everybody was making Mm -hmm. double knit polyester quilts. So my mom and her sisters would cut apart all the double knit polyester 
my grandmother would take those scraps that they cut up for her and then she would puzzle those together on top of a sheet and then she would hand sew those because you know you can still hold the needle easily without having to bend your fingers and putting a needle through double knit polyester is like you know sticking a pin through marshmallow <laughs> it's like it's soft and squishy and it's you know pretty easy to be able to do that um, and she would just hand sew all those pieces down so you know she, she wasn't using it wasn't hindering her in, in any way but it was a great tool for her I mean, the material itself was a great tool for her to be able to keep creating um, and those are the quilts that we slept under on the farm where I grew up and um, you know Minnesota's cold <laughs> so it's not such a you bad think? thing to have a big <laughs> giant double knit polyester quilt that weighs 15 pounds laying on top of you. <laughs> it was and like so, the, it was like those weighted blankets that are so trendy now. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Because you put two layers of polyester batting inside them, you know, oh so my they gosh. were very, very heavy quilts. And, um, you know, the best thing about double knit polyester is the color because the color is never going to fade. And, right. You know, at the end of the world, it's going to be double knit polyester and cockroaches because that nothing, nothing makes it go away. <laughs> It'll be nice warm cockroaches at that. They'll be living under the quilt. <laughs> one sweaty, yeah, one sweaty cockroach with polyester. <laughs> funny. Well, we're all familiar with that. But again, that double knit, you know, I'm working on a series of double knit polyester quilts because one, it's a fascinating material to play with because now I can look at it and I can work five different ways with a piece of fabric than what I do when I use cotton where I have to sew the seams in. I could raw edge stitch it on top of something. I could sew it into a seam if I wanted to. I mean, this, it, the stuff sews like butter. It's so ridiculously forgiving that why not? And the amazing, the, the heavy saturation of color and print and texture that you can get with it. Oh, I'm pretty excited about it. I say let's, I revolt, let's let's all go back to using double knit polyester for quilts. <laughs> Victoria, <laughs> one of my favorite quilts that I have that I personally made was probably like the fourth or fifth quilt. And it's polyester double knit. Um, it's probably 25 years old now. And it still looks as good as it did when I finished it. it. Now, you notice I didn't say it still looks great because it wasn't <laughs> great when I started. But it's, it's a very special quilt oh. to me. And it's going to, because it's polyester double knit, it's never going to fade. Exactly. Um, it's probably never going to wear out. That stuff just wears like iron. Yes, it um, does. I'm with so, you. Maybe we should you know, do a, a rekindling of the whole polyester double knit thing. That's what I tell everybody. I said, you know, in in a hundred and well, fifty to a hundred years, all of our cotton quilts are going to be so sad, depressed, and faded. But there are those going to be those stunning double knit polyesters who haven't changed a bit. <laughs> yep, they're going to look fantastic. So, so. true. <laughs> they're not just so going to outlive me. They're going to outlive everybody. Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> That's right. So what else have you been working on lately? I have been recently working on um, filming my own classes and adding them to my website. So oh, I am cool. looking forward to the next couple of years of taking some time off from teaching. Um, 
And so I've been preparing by putting my most popular classes up online so that people can still have access uh, to the things that I teach regularly. And it's, I've been really happy with that. Um, it's not that I'm going to quit teaching, but I am looking at taking some time off because you know what? I got quilts I got to make. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I've been on the road so much. I have so many ideas in my head and I can't get to them because I'm, you know, I'm home for a few days and then I'm gone and then I'm home for a few days and I got to get everything else that has to get done or patterns written or any of that kind of stuff. So I am uh, just looking forward to having um, the class is more accessible to people everywhere because I can't get everywhere. So it'll be nice, um, a nice option for people to be able, if they can't get in on the class, but they can take the online class and they'll always have the videos to go back to, to watch it again or to see something again. You know, can you take a class at a location and then you go home and then you don't have the teacher in your studio with you anymore. But with the online classes, it'll be like I'm right there with you and you can just keep going back and forth and looking at them getting everything you need from the class. So I'm looking forward to getting those up online. And what else am I working on? I'm, I'm, I'm still working on my double knit series. That's been going on for a few years. And I'm also working on some new uh, quilts that uh, kind of tie in more of my college education I feel like I got stunted in college when they told me I couldn't make quilts so I kind of stopped making quilts right. for a period of oh. time and so I've kind of gone back to go okay so if I had kept making quilts at that time what kind of things might I've been doing and I was also studying a lot in photography and computers were just starting out when I was in college so I'm kind of going back and trying to see how I can put the different elements of things that I was working on then into quilts that I'm working on now Without giving wow. too much away. Nice. Back to the beginning. Right? Yes. <laughs> well, I can't I love wait back to, to the beginning because I started well, right somewhat, in the somewhat. 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true. Well, I am i can't wait to see what that's going to look like because so I'm sure, sure it's mm. going to be One amazing. One of the quilts is in the book Playing With Purpose called A Year of Moments. Um, you may have saw the quilt was at Houston last year. It's a sort of a portrait of myself plus some mm -hmm. other um, piecing and applique and digital work and a little bit of all kinds of stuff uh, different techniques thrown into one quilt so that's kind of where I'm where I'm that's where you're going with. yeah very cool yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we will definitely share a photo of that quilt on our show notes page so our listeners can see that. And I'd love to get a photo as well of um, one of your grandma's quilts if you have it. Oh, absolutely. And um, yeah. so that they can all, all see what we've been talking about. Well, and we need to show them what is it the 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 double wedding ring that you cut up mm -hmm. oh, we need yeah, to show them definitely. that so they can see where yeah. it came yes. and where it went oh my gosh it's amazing well thank you so much for joining us today victoria you're welcome i think that we both need uh, we all need to go home and sew now exactly oh, yeah. <laughs> <Definitely. laughs> oh good <laughs> my job here is done <laughs> excellent thank you so much victoria thank talk you talk to you again soon when we started this podcast, we thought that some quilters might enjoy hearing conversations that take place in our office, around the water cooler and in the kitchen. And we record our podcasts and do all the work that we do to produce them and then send them out in the universe. 
and we hope that you find fun and may be inspired by something we say on our podcast. Well, we got this letter not too long ago that gave us goosebumps. And we decided today we'd like for you to hear that letter. Tracy, can you tell them? Oh, sure. I'd love to. Here goes. Dear Lori, Tracy, and Ginger, you all make a great quilting podcast with interesting and educational topics that have inspired me to push my own boundaries and try new things. The Quilt for a Cause episode left me questioning how I could give back in a way similar to what Terry Grell of Enchanted Makeovers did when she refurbishes women's shelters. Terry inspired me because she accomplished so much. I reached out to three of my friends, Marta Sigmund, Angela Moreno, and Tricia Schultz, asking if they would be interested in a summer volunteer project, and they all unanimously said yes. Within a few hours, the stars aligned, and our volunteer project was set. We were going to update and refurbish a shelter for homeless families at Family Promises of the Mid-Willamette Valley in Salem, Oregon. Sorry. (laughs) The shelter helps homeless families by providing a safe place, assistance to move into a home, and they help to keep families in their homes. There were two rooms at the shelter that we were offered to update, a kid's playroom and a nap room. We visited the shelter to see the space and get some ideas about what was needed. The shelter had made good efforts in these rooms, and we were grateful to be invited to bring it up to the next level. The kids' playroom was dark, and the curtains blocked the window light. The director explained that every time they tried to open the curtains, the curtains would fall down. There was a play kitchen, but no food or dishes available to play with. With the majority of the shelter's funds funneled to helping families, donations are relied upon for the furnishings. The crib in the nap room had chipping white paint. The twin mattress rested on metal springs with no headboard or footboard. Generous community members had donated items that were gladly accepted and needed. However, the items lacked the cohesiveness to bring the room together, and they stood fragmented and apart. We put together a decorating plan, and it was approved. Over the next four weeks, we gathered supplies, trying to keep costs as low as possible. We bought from yard sales and used coupons at secondhand stores. We got really lucky buying paint and found a sale at a Habitat resale store, which already has low prices for used paints, and bought it all at half price. In the days leading up to the makeover, I felt nervously excited, similar to what I feel before going on a fun vacation. On the day of the makeover, we met in the morning and we worked until after sundown. In the nap room, we painted all the walls and added a Zen mountain mural on one of the walls. The metal spring bed was replaced with a solid wood bed. The crib was replaced with a more modern one equipped with a mobile. A nightstand was added with a clock that plays nature sounds, a bamboo lamp, and the drawer was filled with earplugs, eye masks, and chapstick. The curtains were replaced with light blocking curtains for day naps. In the playroom, we added books, 
bookshelves, stuffed animal reading buddies, and a teepee with fun flags and extra pillows. The curtains were replaced with sheer ones that hung via large grommets so they could easily slide open and never fall off again. We brought in a floor lamp and updated the ceiling lighting. The empty kitchen was filled with a variety of play food and dishes. We chatted as we worked and caught up with each other. We discussed life and how it can be hard and confusing and always so incredibly busy. The time slipped by quickly as we worked together. I had an opportunity to talk with one of the guests at the shelter after the project was completed. We chatted as her little boy was napping in the new crib behind us. Her mother expressed appreciation for the updates. She told me that her little boy was really enjoying the mobile in the crib. He liked to talk to it and listen to the music as it played. She went on to tell me that he had never had a mobile before. I was struck by this, as I had never imagined a world where babies didn't have mobiles on their cribs. I came away with a renewed gratitude. My heart was filled with the knowledge that current and future families would have some comforts of home while they're guests at the shelter. Thank you for sharing your podcast and inspiring me to give back. I was also inspired by the Quilt Green episode. I needed a back for my 12 shades of red quilt, and I had never heard of piecing a back together before. I went to a donation-based store to browse their fabric selection. They had lots of sheets and blankets, etc. Then, tucked in the back corner of the store, I found 13-pieced heart blocks. The colors matched my quilt and the panel on the front, which has a home is where the heart is theme. I purchased the blocks for a grand total of $6.50, and it was a perfect fit, and the quilt turned out great. There are a lot of pictures attached. Thank you, Melanie Peterson, Millersburg, Oregon. Isn't that great? You know, you'd already shared that letter with me, and I got goosebumps, literally, but just reading it again no. I got goosebumps all over again <laughs> it's like that's so exciting that that from something that she heard us talk about she did something so wonderful I so know. big yeah I know. Right? oh my yeah. goodness now I want to go out and do more for sure exactly <laughs> I know so I will post all of the photos on the show notes page and you'll be able to see the before and afters that she did it's really pretty incredible yep oh. And we do read your letters, so please, if you guys, anything, you know, please share your thoughts with us. We'd love to hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nothing, I think, makes our, like, this day, oh. we came into work, it, the letter was there first thing in the morning, and I think all of us were just walking on clouds for the rest of the day. So. Exactly. Thank you so much, ladies, and um, I look forward to talking to you again next time. Yeah, Thanks. sounds good. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the Quilting Company podcast. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today on our show notes page, quiltingcompany.com slash quiltpodcast. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to tell your friends. And thanks for listening. Happy quilting. The Quilting Company podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcast is Jared Mayer.